This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast because marriage without maintenance will break. I am your happily married host, Jason Parham. Together, we're learning how to make marriage and love better. Have you lost that loving feeling? Okay, let's try to figure out how to get that back. For notes and references, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash lost love. God's creation of love is one of the most amazing things of life. He created people with the urge to love and be loved by someone else. People dream about love. They read about love. And they wish for love to find them. Love is like the big bang of life. It's when two people collide in a way that fundamentally alters the course of their lives. Love is a feeling, an emotion, a commitment a longing, a desire, and a desperate need. Once you fall in love with someone, it doesn't matter what happens, that person is always with you. I remember the moment I let go of everything. My past, my fears, my hopes, and my dreams. I just let myself fall. And the only thing there to catch me was this overwhelming force of love or a devastating mire of hurt and defeat. But love caught me. Now, I never want to let it go. When I look into the eyes of my lover, I see everything I ever wanted and everything I have in this life. If you have found love, believe in it, nurture it, and fight for it. Because if you let it slip away, you may never find it again. Ronald Reagan, the 40th president of the United States, wrote the following to his wife, Nancy. I more than love you. I'm not whole without you. You are life itself to me. When you are gone, I'm waiting for you to return so I can start living again. But love is something that comes with risk. There is this long trail of lost love, broken hearts, and deep regret. So what do you do when you feel your love is slipping away? Or you wake up one morning and you just realize, I've lost my love. How do you get it back? And how do you take two broken hearts and put them back together again? What do you do when you've lost that loving feeling? Falling out of love is something that is addressed in the Bible. In a letter to the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. So what do you do when you've lost that love and feeling? Here's our table of contents. Remember what you had. Repent for your wrong. Repent for your wrong. And repeat what you did at first. So here we go. Remember what you had. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Memories are love's treasure box. Memories are the things that you have that no one can take away from you. You build your love on those memories. It all starts like the day you met. Those memories connect you to the moment and those memories just keep building and connecting until you fall in love and all those memories like get electrified. Memories become the spark that ignites the passion of your love. And sometimes when you're right in the middle of a hardship, you can't see anything except for what's right in front of you. You can't see any hope for the future and you can't see all the good from the past. It's like you just get stuck. But memories are God's gifts to lovers. You can remember the romantic moments. 
the moment I first met my wife, Amber, it seemed like such a fleeting thing at the time, but it became so much more meaningful as we fell in love. Her eyes looking at me and her radiant smile just changed my whole life. I think it's those first moments that could have gone either way that means the most to me now. It's those moments when I was the most vulnerable to her. So embrace those moments with each other. Let those moments write the story of your love. And then there's the funny moments. Relive those moments when you laugh together about something. I really enjoy sharing a good laugh with my wife. And they say laughter is the best medicine. The Bible even says as much in Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And then there's the big moments. One of the big moments for me was when we first met. The first time we talked, which was kind of awkward for me, especially like since I cannot carry on a conversation at all. And just as a safety precaution, I brought my sister along with me because if it didn't go well, I knew that she could talk. And one of the best days of my life was our wedding day. Sometimes we even look back on our wedding album, although that's more of my wife's thing. But we have these amazing wedding pictures and we look back on those wedding pictures and a friend of ours had a photography business and he is absolutely amazing at it. If you ever want incredible photos that capture people in moments that you just can't beat, I'll put a link in the show notes and in the comments below. The little moments. I think these are the moments that make or break your marriage. It's living together through the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what really matters. And by the way, I'm like the bad and the ugly in our marriage. When you go out to eat together, when you take a walk, or just watch a movie together, you are creating little moments. Those little moments all add up to something much bigger and meaningful in your marriage. You make memories, so be deliberate in spending time together. The longer you're together, the harder this becomes. When you get more responsibilities, you start having kids, it gets harder to make time for each other. But you have to make it like your mission to make time for each other, even if it's in the small moments. And those small moments add up over time. We talked about this in in an episode entitled, How You Can Become Deliberate in Your Love. I'll leave a link in the show notes, but being spontaneous is great. But most of the time, you have to plan things in order to make them happen. So if you want a better marriage, it doesn't just happen. You have to work at it. When you're first falling in love, it feels like it just happens. But staying in love takes a lot of work. Celebrate your love every chance you get. Be grateful that you have each other because that may not always be the case. Something can happen to one of you or one person could decide to leave, you never know what's going to happen. So it's important to celebrate your time together while you have it, because that time may be more limited than you realize. Choose to see the good in your spouse. You should make the choice to not focus on everything wrong with your spouse. Although it's important to talk about things that bother you, it's also important to not let those things define your spouse to you. Notice the good things that you like about your spouse And let those things define who they are to you. You don't have to let your spouse's faults kill your relationship. And here's the big reveal in all of this. Guess what? You have faults too. This reminds me a lot of my relationship with the Lord. He treats me according to like the tiny bit of good that's in me. And by the way, he gets the credit for all that tiny bit of good. 
He doesn't treat me according to my faults. And you shouldn't treat your spouse according to their faults either. Treat the bad memories as important as the good. I know it's hard when bad things happen. When Amber and I were newly married, she delivered our first baby and he was stillborn. My dad suffered from a major stroke from which he would never really recover. Both of our cars broke down and my job situation became unstable. All at the same time. But our love for each other was galvanized during that time. So even though it was not good at the time, these are important parts of our lives together. So remember what you've had together. Remember what you had. Remember what you have. Secondly, God told the church at Ephesus to repent. So repent for your wrong. In order to do this, you have to accept responsibility for your part of the relationship. It seems like today that everybody has an excuse. And I do understand how the sentiment of past experiences lead you to make the choices that you make now and how those past experiences shape who you are. I get that. But I think that anyone could probably justify the wrong they do in this way because everyone has scars. Everyone has things in their past. Maybe yours are a little deeper or more obvious than others, but they're still there. And if you allow the hurts in your past to control you, then you are choosing to allow those events in your past to dictate your future. Today, there is this huge victim mentality that's pushed in our culture. I mean, everybody is a victim of someone or something else, whether it's real or perceived. But I'm going to tell you something. There is no excuse for doing wrong in your relationship. You have to learn how to accept responsibility for your part of the problems that you're having. When you first start having problems in your marriage, the first thing you think, the first inclination is to point to the problems that your spouse has or is causing as if those problems have led you to what you're doing wrong. And there may be some truth to that, but you are still responsible for you. You can't control what someone else does, but you can control how you let those things affect you. After you've been married for a while, you probably have enough negative baggage in your relationship to justify leaving your spouse. So you can use that negative baggage as an excuse, or you can just choose to let those things go. Falling out of love feels like something you can't control, but really it's tied to the little choices that you make to hold on to the negative things. So keep a short relationship tab. Marriage is like housework. You can do a little bit of cleanup every day, or you can let things pile up and all those little messes turn into one huge mess. Marriage is the same way in that you have to keep the messes in your relationship cleaned up. If you don't work on the little problems in your marriage as they come up, they will eventually become one big problem. Now, you can clean up the big mess in your relationship, but it will take a lot more time and work to fix it than if you were to just fix the little things here and there. Falling out of love is more about the things you don't do to maintain your relationship than the big thing that you end up blaming. I have gone to church my entire life, so I have seen some amazing things happen and some absolutely crazy things happen. But there's this pattern that I've seen with people. They start out with all this excitement when everything is new. It's a new church, a new situation. Then little negative things eventually start happening. Then finally, 
Something happens that becomes the straw that breaks the camel's back. But the last straw is really just an excuse for a ruined relationship. It was really all the little straws that were not dealt with at the time, and now they have become a huge problem. The marriage relationship follows the same pattern. So consider the love timeline. And you can see this love timeline at fixeruppermarriage.org slash lost love. So in the timeline, you see how the start of new love and then relationship disappointments come into play and then communication challenges, specific problems. And one day, sooner or later, you come to this relationship decision point. And at that point, the love timeline of your relationship can either go toward enduring love or failed love. But it's a choice that you make. You can make the choice to repent for the wrong that you've done in your relationship and change the trajectory that you're on, or you can put your marriage in the tank. It's a choice. It's based on the choices that you make. So make a decision to change your mind. Decisions are very important in life, and they are very important for even eternity. When I first became a Christian, it all started with a choice that I made to ask Jesus into my heart and life. This is how it worked. First, I realized I was wrong. I was wrong about the way I was living or wanted to live. In Galatians 3.22, But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Secondly, I regretted what I had been doing. The realization of my wrong was not enough. I had to be sorry for those things I had done and understand that I had really wronged God. In Corinthians 7 and verse 10, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And finally, I changed my mind. I had to come to the place where I had to make a decision. Would I rather have him in my life or all the other things I had been holding on to for years? So I let go and I never looked back. The Bible says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sub with him and he with me. So God was at my heart's door and I had to make a choice, a decision to let him in. So the change in my life came as a result of me taking responsibility for the things I had done wrong, regretting those things, and changing my mind and putting my faith in Christ. And then there are times as a Christian, I have to go through this same process. A similar process happens in marriage. A decision point happens in your life and you have to change. The marriage relationship follows the same pattern of repenting and restoration. So you have to realize a wrong that you've been doing in your relationship. Instead of focusing on all the things your spouse has done wrong, which is what we all want to do, notice the things that you're doing wrong. This is not like a comparison of wrongs, but a realization of your own. So you shouldn't say, what I did is nothing compared to what my spouse did. Because you're not comparing, but examining yourself. Be genuinely sorry for the things that you've done that are contributing to your relationship failing. Maybe you have simply neglected your love for your spouse, or you have allowed things into your mind that are toxic to your love. Sometimes being caught can cause sorrow for your wrong, but being caught should never be your only motivation for change. Once you fully focus and realize you're wrong, that sorrow for your wrong can create this desire to make things different. And that desire can be the start of a new beginning in your relationship. So make a decision to change. 
now you have to actually make a decision. It's at this point in your love timeline that things can really change for good. What if your spouse doesn't make the same decision? Well, you can't make someone repent from falling out of love, but you can repent yourself. And that alone will change you and have a positive effect on your relationship. And sometimes it just takes a little faith and initiative to influence change in the other person. So you doing what's right and you making changes to yourself in the relationship can influence your spouse to do the same. Put your decision into action. Now that you've made the decision to make some changes in your relationship, it's time to put those decisions into action. Knowing what you should do is not enough, but you have to actually follow through. Here are some tips for doing that. Start ugly. Look, you don't have to wait until you have everything together or everything perfect to start doing things differently. Just start with the little things you can change. And little by little and bit by bit, you fix your relationship. It's a lot like faith. Reading a few verses or a chapter or a few chapters of the Bible every day may not seem like much of a big deal. But over time, it adds up to building your faith in Christ. Doing the little things that you can will, over time, add up to something big in your marriage. So start ugly. Because if you wait till everything's perfect, you'll never start. And then tell your spouse you intend to change. They will probably notice a change without you even saying a word. But telling them will add some accountability to what you're trying to do. It adds like a higher level of commitment. So saying something like, I have been struggling with, you fill in the blank, in our marriage lately, and I want you to know that I'm working on that. It helps you to follow through, and it may influence your spouse to change also. Maybe they've been wanting to do things differently too, and you making the choice to change is the one thing that pushes them to change. Notice your progress. It would be great if you could just decide you were going to change, go to bed, and wake up the next day to a completely different relationship with each other. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works. It takes time to change things. Most love stories are not instantaneous. Most love stories are not love at first sight. It takes time to fall in love. And so it takes time to get back to the love that you may have lost. So you remember what you had. You repent. And then the third principle from the Bible is repeat what you did at first or do the first works. Don't miss all the good in your relationship. Sometimes it's easy to let the bad parts of your marriage overshadow everything good. In the Bible verses that I read earlier in Revelation chapter 2, in the first part of that chapter, God compliments the church at Ephesus for the good things they were doing before he points out their problems. And he even says something good about them afterward. So even though you may have some problems in your relationship right now, don't let those problems define your relationship or your spouse. I bet if you tried, you can find some things that are great about each other. Isolate the problems in your relationship. Think of the things that are wrong as separate from the parts that are good. It's like this. If your car needs new tires, you don't drive your car to the junkyard and just leave it. No, you save up. You buy a new set of tires or you, buy, or you do like me and buy one tire at a time. Just because your marriage is suffering, you don't throw away all hope for your love. How about this? Write down the good parts of your love. 
it may help you to list all the things about your spouse that you like instead of the things that you don't. And the don'ts sometimes come a lot easier. But maybe you could just write them down in a notebook or better yet, in a card to your spouse. It helps just to recognize that there are good things in your love. And you know what? There's just something powerful about writing things down. Even if you don't show it to anyone, remember the good things that drew you together. When you first met and you started falling in love, you probably didn't think about anything bad about each other. If there was something negative, you probably just ignored it because you were so enamored with the good in the other person. Some of that is because you can hide some of your negative traits for a limited time. But it's mostly because you just fell in love with your spouse because of those things that you liked about them. I love the fact that my spouse and I shared a faith in Christ. And that was a huge part of why we were both even talking to begin with. But there were so many things about her personality and her looks that I liked. And I still do. I still love those same things about her. Those are the things that define your love for each other, not the negative things that you can easily get caught up in. Do the first works. Go back to where it all began. In the simplicity of the things that you like about each other and the simplicity of the things that made you fall in love to begin with, you have to cut away all the baggage that has built up in your relationship and just get back to the things that made you fall in love in the first place. You have to get back to the basics of being in love with each other and block out all the stuff that has built up around you. Accept each other as you are. One of the most amazing things about falling in love is someone loving you for who you are. Out of all the people in the world, my wife saw something in me that made her want to spend her life with me. That is incredible. That is the part of being in love that makes it so powerful. Doing the first work means getting back to that basic principle, seeing through all the challenges and finding what made your love work to begin with. I think that a lot of marriage help resources approach things from a flawed perspective. It's like a perfect married couple or almost perfect, explaining how you too can become a perfect or almost perfect couple just like them. But I think there's a deeper, more profound meaning to what happens in marriage than learning to be the perfect couple. Marriage is about learning to love each other in spite of your imperfections. That is what makes the gospel love story so life-changing. He loves me with all my imperfections and my problems. So love in marriage should be all about learning to love each other with all your problems and through all the challenges. You don't always look like Barbie and Ken dolls. You won't always be in prime health. And you may even get under each other's skin sometimes. You might even have to work through some problems together. But being in love is all about learning to love each other through all of those things. Love is the vehicle that carries you through the journey of life together. And as that journey changes, gets longer or harder, it's that vehicle of love that carries you through. But you have to stay in that vehicle to make it through. Learn how to love each other as you are with all your faults. I mean, after all, that's how it all started. You blindly fell in love with each other despite all your faults, despite all your flaws. Now that love is more meaningful because back then you blindly fell in love. Back then you were stupid in love and didn't see the problems that you had. 
But now you see all those things, but you are still choosing to love each other with your eyes wide open in the full knowledge of your imperfections. But yet you still choose to love each other. That's what love is. That's what makes love so amazing. The best love maintenance is preventive. In the Bible, the church at Ephesus could have prevented losing their first love by keeping up with it over time. The problem of losing their first love was preventable. Where I work at, safety is a big deal. When you have an accident, it's almost like insulting. They analyze all the things you should and could have done to prevent the accident. I mean, you should have worn gloves. You should have worn thicker shoes. You should have turned your turn signal on sooner or you should have been watching for potential accidents. Then you have to sit down and watch these old, boring, poorly produced safety VHS videos without music until you're ready to like lose your mind. But the point they drive home is that you can prevent accidents most of the time. And the dirty little truth about falling out of love is that you can prevent it from happening. When you see your love start to fade away, you can catch it before it's gone. I watched this documentary about two teenagers in 2005 who were fishing in a sailboat a few yards off the coast of South Carolina. They slowly drift farther out and without realizing it, they were caught in a riptide. The rescue attempts by the Coast Guard eventually became recovery efforts. But six days later, they were rescued off the coast of North Carolina, 100 miles away from where they started. That's a lot like what happens in marriage. You don't even realize it. You're slowly drifting further away from each other. And before you know it, you've lost what you had. So in order to keep that from happening, keep an awareness of how you feel about each other. Constantly be aware of where you're at in your relationship. Learn to communicate how you're feeling with your spouse. Honestly evaluate your relationship often. And then be deliberate in taking care of your love for each other. So if you lost that loving feeling, remember what you had. Repent for your wrong. And repeat what you did at first. Thank you for listening to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. To see the notes from today's episode and the love timeline, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash lostlove. If you have found this episode helpful, consider sharing with a friend. Remember that God has great things planned for your marriage. So don't miss it.